Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I'm so glad you could join us here for our 200th episode, Spectacular. And uh, when you have a spectacular episode, you have spectacular guests. And I'm so glad to have back for the first time, or here for the first time, Ali Lemaire Shedden, and back for the 800th time, Dave Voigt from In the Seats. Thank you both for joining me. I'm so glad you could be here today. Oh, thank you, Steve. I'm so excited. I'm honestly so glad you're here. And uh, partially, I mean, because it's our 200th episode, very special episode for us. And I know for me, I still remember, I guess it was like eight years ago, we had our first episode. It was like 30 minutes long. And we talked about uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and we had no idea what we were doing (laughs) at all. It was like just me sitting over a microphone, no video, just just trying to figure it out, right? And so here we are. I'm actually thrilled to be here. And this week, for our special episode, we are going to talk about Batman, but not just Batman himself. We are going to talk specifically about the 90s films, uh, the four classic films from the 1990s, Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. Um, all were received very Batman. differently. The superior Batman? The superior Batman. That's why I'm here. That's why that that um, reasoning is the only reason why I'm here, because it's the superior Batman. <laughs> See, this is, this is what I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, with just the Flash having just come out and a nostalgia fest of, of, of uh, the Flash and everything that was there, Uh, It seems appropriate for us to step back into the 90s a little bit and look at how we got, or at least the beginnings, and I say beginnings in quotes because there was one film in 1966 with Adam West and the crew from that, but really the cinematic beginnings of of Batman. For those who are unaware, the Batman franchise began in 1989, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker as the Joker intends to take over Gotham City using a special toxin which could poison the people to look like him. And from there, Burton did another entry, Batman Returns, which starred Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, and Keaton again, moving into the neon era with Val Kilmer as Batman, directed by Joel Schumacher. Techno Batman. The Techno Batman, yes. Techno Batman. Uh, starring uh, Jim Carrey and, oh my gosh, who was Tommy Lee Jones? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. And Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman and Drew Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Yes, she was in it briefly, wasn't she? Yeah. And who was the dark? um, Because she was like the angel. And who was the devil on Two Faces Other Side? Oh, she was a mom. Um, what's her name? She was the... There was Sugar and Spice. She, she was Sugar. Was I don't sugar know. Debbie Mazar? Was it Debbie Mazar? Deb, was she, it Debbie Mazar? You know what? She, this is, I mean, this is going to date me aggressively. And that is that I remember her as the evil stepmom from Beethoven 2. She okay. had Beethoven's lover and she like kept Beethoven's lover from him. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That's who I remember her as. Yes, it oh, is. Chris, oh, and Chris O'Donnell. Let's not forget Chris O'Donnell. Oh, oh yeah. Chris what O'Donnell. a babe. And, you know, once we get there, we can talk about this because I was watching it last night. And it was Debbie Mazar. It was Debbie It was Mazar. Debbie Mazar. Yeah. Oh. And so I was watching um, Batman Forever last night. And 
my favorite is that, you know, obviously Robin's parents die in a horrific circus accident, but then they're like, this kid, this, this poor kid, and he has no one. And I was like, the dude is 30. Like, he's <laughs> fine. He doesn't need to be taken in. Like, it's Chris true. O'Donnell, he does his own laundry. He's fine. He can move it, into an apartment. It, his parents probably had life insurance. They're circus performers. Like, he would be fine. He doesn't need Bruce Wayne to take care of him and accidentally have him discover the Batcave. Like, it was a completely unnecessary plot line. But, I mean, I was here for it. I was really, I really enjoyed it. But I was... You know, busting a gut last night, thinking that this Chris O'Donnell was about how old was he at the time? Because I like know. about twenty-five, I want to say. Yeah, <laughs> he, he drives like, up on his own bike. <laughs> he drives up on his own bike, and he's like, "This is happening." Like Bruce Val Kilmer's like, "This is happening again." The kid has no one. I was like, "The kid's fine. Like, he's fine." Um, but yeah, what a what a cinematic achievement that movie was. Let me tell you, it's great. And of course, concluding with uh, George Clooney as Batman, <sighs> with Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the height of his powers. Ice to me. <laughs> and so Uma good. Thurman. Every girl wanted to be Uma Thurman in the <sighs> early, late 90s, I guess. Every girl wanted to be Uma Thurman with like a compact that they could open and blow the like pheromones at men and have them love you. Like, ugh iconic it's iconic it's fantastic yeah. um i i mean this is sort of unnecessary but as always this podcast is rated s for spoilers if you haven't seen these movies that are almost <laughs> 30 over 30 years old <laughs> just so you know there's some spoilers for this 100 percent, yeah 100 um, percent. but also if you haven't seen these movies a what are you doing with your life and b <laughs> Why are you listening to this podcast about these movies? Because like, it's 30 years old. Like, go watch them first and then come back because they're great. They're well, great. That, that that's a great start then. I guess, I, Ali, you've shown your hand, but I'm my question is, what do you think of the old Batman films? Oh, man. Fantastic. They're so good. They were, you know, when I think about superhero movies, now you think about Marvel, you think about DC, like even with the new release of The Flash, and it being, you know, them kind of stepping into the multiverse madness of it all. Um, it, they were simpler back then, right? Like the movies were just, uh, they were so outlandish that it was like, it, it. there's no way this could happen in real life. But with the 1989 in particular, it was a superhero movie, but it was also kind of just like a cop movie, right? Like it was like a villain, like a like cops and robbers almost with uh with Jack Nicholson just being a bad guy and um and I think that you know things have gotten a lot more deeper and a lot more complex in terms of backstories for villains but we talked about this a little bit at the beginning but the idea of Jack Nicholson just like being dumped into essentially I don't know, battery acid whatever he gets dumped into that causes him to become the joker like i get that motive like he ruined my face and i'm going to hurt him now and that's the only motive that he has really to, for hurting batman is that he like ruined his jack nicholson face so and i get that but now i mean the joker is a lot darker right like with joaquin phoenix it was the world has failed you so i think that this franchise really was it was a simpler time looking back it was a simpler time but it was a lot of fun it was just you were there to have a good time and to see you know the good guy win at the end of the day which was really fun and you know the technicolors didn't hurt anybody 
Well, they 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 <laughs> kind of did. They were so blinding. You needed, you know, sunglasses to watch the last two Batman films. Maybe. Yeah, but like when you get to the the second half of the franchise when it's like when Robin is going downtown, like everybody's in neon colored paint for some reason and I just like it's so unnecessary, but so wonderful. So wonderful. Such a great franchise. I, absolutely dave what do you think well i mean i just think it's interesting that you know we have such fond memories for this franchise especially with the first one considering that on the first batman jack actually had top billing over keaton yeah. on the movie that's interesting yeah his name was comes he a bigger first. star at the time oh yeah yeah so this was like you have to understand and again i'm gonna date myself 1989 was the year I was born. I know, I'm sorry. I know, I'm sorry. Listen, I was born no. in the late 1900s. No, we I was well. late, late <laughs> 1900s. We but so I was, old. but I was. So like, I didn't get to watch this until Michael Keaton was a much bigger star, right? So like, I watched it back, whatever, yeah. when I be came of age to watch these movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my head, look, even looking back on it, because I was not, a, I mean, I was around, but I wasn't, you know, cognizant enough to realize what Michael Keaton was at the time. But looking at Michael Keaton now, like in the flash versus Michael Keaton, then, like they in my head, they're two separate people. Like, because Michael Keaton is Michael Keaton now to me. But when you look at him with like his black hair and his kind of like weird, like grimacing look that he does through all of 1989's Batman, this like weird, like snaky kind of vibe. Um, it's like a completely different person to me. But I'm sure he isn't to you guys. I'm sure he's just that's him aging throughout the years. Well, Stephen, I can you know, Stephen, I remember seeing this in the theater. So Ooh. you know. Ooh. I am a child. Well. Oh, that's right. Oh God, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm the only one who saw it on first run. Yeah, I didn't either. But it wasn't, but for me it was a different reason. It wasn't that I I was just born. I was 12, but hmm. I remember the conversations with my parents. My parents were very protective and they said, why does Batman have to be so dark? Uh, what is that? I don't want him to, I don't want. Because he's rich me. and mad. Does he need a better reason? He's rich, it, it's he's true. mad, and his parents were killed. God, look. it's enough to send anyone over the edge. But But in our house, this was the first Batman film and the only memory of Batman was 1966, which my mm. parents you know saw when they were younger mm -hmm. and and you know they so i didn't see the first two in theaters i went back and rewatched them i saw i saw batman on video mm -hmm. um i didn't see i saw i saw them both on video after they came out but i didn't see i saw the first one i saw in th theaters was forever but uh, so so Dave will have to forgive me a little bit on that one. But go ahead. Well, no, but I mean, it's I, I mean, I'm glad you brought up video as well, because I mean, it's definitely one of the first movies as well that I can remember wanting to have and wanting to have a copy of and needing sort of that tactile sort of ability to be able to watch it again and again. You know, Batman on VHS back in the day was was huge and definitely very formative not just in uh uh you know the continuation of the franchise but just the entertainment industry in general because i mean they made a boatload of money off of off of all those vhs sales yeah i mean you it's it's kind of sad i was watching um 
Chandler Levax, I like movies recently when they were in the VHS store, right? And I was like, man, movies had such a long lifespan back then, right? Like, oh, sorry, we're out of copies of this. And you had to come back three weeks later to get a copy of that movie to be able to see it for the first time. And they're like, they just such a long lifespan. Whereas now movies are like, oh, 45 day window from theatrical into VOD. And then if it doesn't succeed opening weekend, there it goes, it's gone to be buried, right? And so the lifespan is like, I mean, Marvel movies aside because they are their own beasts, but like lifespans of smaller independent films, sometimes in theatrical and VOD, it's like six months, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe. It's, so, and that's sad. And, and you know, you say that about Marvel, lifespan about Marvel. I think Marvel has a lifespan, but films are forgotten like that. Like there yeah. are people, they're discussed for the first two weeks and they disappear. And then they mm -hmm. show up in your house, which we didn't have then. But this was one thing I was trying to explain to my kids. I showed them Batman and Robin for the first time. They've never, they'd never seen it, mm. which is funny because I had shown my what old a treat. Well, my oldest had seen the Dark Knight trilogy and this was his yeah. first non-Dark Knight trilogy Batman. And they just kept saying, why is he shiny? <laughs> it was like Amazing. So, so Amazing. different for them. Which but is funny because when I watch Dark Knight, I'm like, why is he so dark? Like, where are the colors? <laughs> This is not the Batman that Why we deserve. Why is he talking like this? Why? Yeah, exactly. But honestly, like they're, they're genuinely, the Dark Knight trilogy are great films. Like they're really great movies. You can watch them all the way through. Everyone will enjoy them. But there's just something about this, the camp that, that Adam West had, that Michael Keaton had, that Val Kilmer, that George Clooney had, that Christian Bale did not, right? Like it's, they lost the camp. They were like, let's go more serious. And I was like, no, I want you to run across a dock with a bomb, please. Like, that's what I want. So, I mean, putting What's that aside. Get rid of a bomb these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, Batman. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, holy no, smokes, no. Batman. Like oh, that's no, the, the Batman children. that I want. Yeah, that's the Batman the that I want. And I think and the... that they realized that. <laughs> I think that they realized that that Batman is like, yes, he can be dark, but people really enjoyed the camp. And I think that bringing Michael Keaton back for The Flash, like, gave the, it was fan service and that the people want that era of filmmaking back. Do we? Maybe. That's a good do. question. Do I do. Really? I would love that. I would love Techno Batman to come back. I mean, the... The new, I mean, the Batman, Robert Pattinson's the Batman um, from whenever that was last year, 2022, 2021. Um, very dark, really enjoyed it. I also really liked the like kind of um, when he takes his mask off and everyone said like they were calling him emo Batman because when he takes his mask off, he's covered in black eye makeup. But to me, I'm like, yes, he has to put on black eye makeup. Have you not seen under the mask? Like every mask, there's black eye makeup. And the fact that we're ignoring that it's there makes no sense, right? So he takes it off. He's covered in black eye makeup. Like, yeah, that's what Batman's going to look like after a night of fighting crime in Gotham. Like, that's what he's going to look like. And I like, I, so that's more like it's dark, but it still has that campy aspect that the Dark Knight trilogy didn't have to make him like emo Batman, to put like, like Wayne Manor, for example, in the Batman, um, it's 2022. I just looked it up, the Batman 2022. It's like gothic, right? Like it's like a castle that he lives in as opposed to just like he lives in a mansion. He's a rich guy. Like I, it brings back, it's dark camp as opposed to just dark. And so I think people like it. I mean, I like it. I really enjoy it. It was, I mean, it was long, it was three hours, but I saw it twice in theaters. So 
but but if you could have that back if you could have it back those those films and have them made today would you actually want those like would you want and i'm not saying i want to put your nostalgia for the films aside okay putting the nostalgia aside would i go and watch would i go and watch batman and and robin in theaters today if it came out today 100 percent fascinating 100 percent. yeah for sure i would but i I also like i don't really like marvel movies all that much which is kind of interesting but i like i saw ant-man quantum mania and i know that that got like destroyed in reviews people hated it i liked it i was like yeah it's fun world building like there's all these weird characters making weird little jokes like i don't know i like the camp when i'm in there i'm there to be entertained i'm not there for like some massive cinematic journey that you're taking through these 47 worlds and i have to watch 73 like i'm not here for that i'm here to sit down have a really good time and and batman and forever or batman forever and batman and robin gave that to their audiences just there to have a good time well i mean i think that's what you're speaking to steve because i mean i'm agreeing with ali i would definitely like those back because i don't i think it really comes down to just sort of it's not necessarily fatigue for comic books or those kind of movies. It's fatigue for everything has to be a universe. Everything yeah. has to connect. Everything yeah. has to flow through the other one. It's like, yeah. why can't we just have a bit of standalone fun? Okay, if there's a little thread to go to the next one, that's great. But why does it have to be about the universe building? I had to read an article before going to see Ant-Man. <laughs> like a full article to go see it because I had I never I had never seen any of the Ant-Man movies and I was like one of my girlfriends were like let's go see a movie tonight and we're looking we're like Ant-Man's really the only thing that's out right now I guess we'll go see it and I was like guess I'll start my research now like and I had to read a whole article and I I mean it was it it worked as a standalone because there was this whole other world they were going into but did I know why oh did I know why Michelle Pfeiffer was in this weird thing? Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. See, maybe I just love Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe that's what it really is. <laughs> At the end of the day, maybe I'm just a massive Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Um, but did I know why she was like stuck in this universe? No, I had no idea. But did I really like that they went into this quantum universe and there was all these little people and it kind of felt a little Star Wars-y with like the worlds that they were going into? I liked it. I had it like I had a nice time. And then I left and I heard that it got destroyed. But I think maybe it got destroyed with critics because people watch the other movies maybe if they had judged it as a standalone film and not a universe they would have felt differently well you know i have heard people say that marvel's at its best when they make standalone films and then tie it in with a post credit and Mm. i think that that's that's pretty fair like i remember when iron man 2 came out one of the things i hated so much about it i still hate is how many things they tried to force into it like I know people don't like Iron Man three because of all sorts of reasons and people don't and and Iron Man is its own thing, but they are separate films loosely tied with a post credit that tied into a bigger thing, and it's not like mm-hmm. oh we got to steer the ship towards the next Avengers film or anything like that. That, that so like Shang Chi actually did that very well. Like Shang Chi is is a standalone film and then a post credit scene that says hey we're going to do this with it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it is funny, too, because the way, you know, looking back at these old movies, one of the things that that I had to explain to my kids is like, you don't understand, we had to wait three years between films every time. And like, there was nothing in between. I mean, there were comic book films, but like Dick Tracy in 1990 or The Shadow 
or uh, oh, the Phantom ones that weren't received well. Although oh, I think Dick Tracy is phenomenal. Uh, I have a quote from the Phantom in my email signature at work because I think, frankly, it was passed over for the Oscars. Phenomenal film. Wait, 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 wait. Purple, purple jumpsuit, white horse. Incredible. See. It's the camp. It's the camp. I'm all for and it. And the shadow's the awesome. Camp. So you're never going to get me off the shadow. So I love the Phantom. I love that movie. It's so good. So good. Passed so good. over for the Oscars? 100%. 100%. See, Superhero movie of the year. I'll give Dave the shadow. I can't give you the Phantom. Super, Superhero movie of the year. 1999. This might be why she's a film publicist. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like sorry you like the phantom like you want to work in the indies <laughs> yeah but uh no i thought the phantom was great i love the camp i i eat up superhero camp so that's probably why it's the campiest of the camp right like it's ridiculous it's completely ridiculous billy zane like i mean it was made purely exclusively for my enjoyment because no one else liked it it was just me <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and sorry, I mean, to sorry, have that standalone nature is enjoyable. And I mean, just to tie it back to Batman and the Flash, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why there's been such a burst of nostalgia, especially with Ron Keaton coming back as Batman, because the way they set up this film, even with the myriad of delays and the changes and everything that happened, the way they engineered this movie, if it was a hit, they could do another one and then kind of retcon it and work it into whatever james gunn is doing for the dc universe if it Mm -hmm. flopped which it looks like yeah kind of sort of more or less has okay it was a throwaway it's fun it's fine next Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well i mean i i want to come back to this idea because i think i want to ask talk a little bit about how our relationship to Batman specifically and these films has changed. But before we do that, there's one other thing I just want to say about these old films. They're stinking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, They are gorgeous. And I'm not talking about like, you know, what we get now with CGI worlds and stuff, which are, which is beautiful in its own right. I'm talking classic matte paintings. I'm talking physical sets. Yeah, Um, I think that's the, that's the Tim Burton of it though, right? Like this was Tim Burton, like at his prime. And then, uh, is it Schumacher? Is that his name? Is Schumacher and Schumacher? Yeah, it's Tim Burton. Burton he did the did he did the final two, and then Burton yeah. did two, and like it, Tim Burton set it up for him, right? And then he just Schumacher took it and was like, "Let's paint it neon." Um, but that was Tim Burton. Tim Burton at his height when he was doing like Edward Scissorhands, and he was doing like it was incredible world building and incredible set building and this is officially the only time that I get to use my analytical film degree from McMaster. And that's what I'm going to say that Tim Burton like really um, draws from German expressionist film where the outside set essentially represents the character's internal world. They started it with like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is, you know, Edward Scissorhands steals from that a lot where this, you know, when you are in the town, everything's peachy and, and pastels and light. And then you go to Edward Scissorhands' house and it's like dark and horrible. And Tim Burton really draws from that quite a bit. Um, and he did that in this in this film where it's like the world is shitty or I'm not going to swear. The world is bad and um, the Gotham is bad and Batman's here to save it. So everything is dark. 
right? And then when it went to the techno, it's like, we want to add some color in it, but we still want everything to be dark. And neon doesn't compute to the human brain the same way pastel does. Like neon still feels like, it doesn't feel light and airy. It feels like electric, right? So it kind of adds that electric vibe to, to the dark sets that Tim Burton didn't. Oh, honey, you are a film critic. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, no, it's like, listen, this is like, this is what I went to school for. <laughs> like, I'm like, I love movies. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think you're so right. And I, I mean, honestly, um, one of the things that Keaton left the franchise for, I mean, what left or left it because of, apparently he had multiple meetings with Schumacher and Schumacher just kept saying to him, why does he have to be so dark? Why does he have to be so sad? And <laughs> and Keaton was like, this is all about Bruce Wayne. And it's, uh, and at least, at least in Batman Forever, Burton has his hand on it. He yeah. takes his hand off. Yeah, he, was EP, the right? he was yeah. an EP, right? He was, I saw that. He was, he was an EP. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in Batman and Robin, he takes his hand off the wheel and the car spins wildly in every direction don't you dare talk about that movie that way that is the best movie no but oh, i mean man. in all iterations bruce wayne is a tortured soul he has to be a tortured yes. soul mm -hmm. i mean even in batman and in robin when he's you know the playboy he's still a bit of a tortured soul because he's you know getting older and looking for family and you know all that kind of fun stuff but it's you can't play bruce wayne as simple happy are happy i mean happy. even when you go back to adam west there was still this little bit of you know standoffishness with the women and this you know and just oh well you know and yeah. oh, well, okay there miss Corlenko, whatever you know it, it it there was there has to be in a, a tortured aloofness to what it means to be bruce wayne interesting mm -hmm. interesting yeah um but it's funny like you i think one of the things about batman and robin because they fixed him in Batman Forever, they they actually fix his his psychoses in the in that movie. He, he they like, I choose to be now. I don't have to be. I choose to be. And then the third one, he's like, oh, my problem. Gave him rubber solved. nipples though. So like, I don't know if we can really take that gospel. They did Rude. give him rubber. And I was actually so when I was watching it last night with Nicole Kidman being like Doctor Chase Meridian, like, uh, there was you know with mental like mental health challenges that we see throughout the entire batman franchise not even this one but like i mean now with the joker and with um oh gosh what is paul dano's character riddler. who's he gonna be is he the riddler is he gonna be the riddler okay yeah so he's gonna be the riddler and i'm assuming the next one he was just like crazy person in this one and the guy who, oh gosh, what is his name? Um, Killian Murphy. Is it Killian Murphy? Who, what was he yeah. wearing? Oh, Scarecrow, yeah. Scarecrow. Scarecrow, yeah. that's it. That's what I'm thinking of, Scarecrow. There's like very clearly mental health challenges that are happening with these villains, but we're more, there's more of like an empathy towards them now. Whereas back then with Nicole Kidman, she was like, they're nuts. They're absolutely well, yeah. nuts. And like, it's like, or uh, they say he's like, two faces coin, it's his Achilles heel. And you're like, no shit, Nicole. Like, like no, really? He flips a coin and he makes a decision, and we should exploit that. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. And uh, and there's kind of it's like a disregard almost for 
for the challenges that are happening. Like it's like Two-Face is according to Batman and according to Nicole Kidman, he has, you know, what's now known as DID, multiple personality disorder. And so they're like, oh yeah, if you're, if you've gone through enough trauma to split your personality, he's got to be really whacked. And you're like, well, that's not great that you're saying that, but I guess so. Like, so just, it's, it's so outlandish and it's so it's it was a sign of the times right so like could you make that movie now and say the same thing about a person with did absolutely not right but they did and but that's what it was like in the 90s you know there was less understanding of um mental health challenges than that we do have now well i mean even when you go to the nolan trilogy and even something like mm -hmm. dark knight and that iteration of of two-face and joker i mean it's 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 Bale and or Batman or Bruce Wayne or whatever struggling trying to apply the logic to to the insanity when in the reality is it's like no there there is no logic that this person just wants to light fires and 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 watch them burn and smile and laugh about it and that is just the way they are and I mean that really mm -hmm. gives a different side of bent on the sort of mental health issue around it whereas batman has always sort of looked inward and kind of tortured himself not realizing that okay wait a minute you know i'm the i'm actually the lesser of two evils there's way worse out there than the shit i'm doing to myself mm -hmm. and i also think like what's interesting is that you know when these films came out there was no streaming there was no, you know, you couldn't watch these movies a million times over without going and renting them from the video store. And there was such a change from, like, you look at Batman, 1989 Batman, through to Batman Forever, like, Harvey Dent is in both of them, right? Like, Two-Face is in both of them. But in Batman, he's played by Billy D. Williams, and he's like a normal stand-up guy. And then suddenly it's Tommy Lee Jones, and he's covered in the half red paint and he's insane but they don't there's no connection right like they're not like well here's how he got from this to this there's nothing they're just like accept it he's I, nuts now please go ahead and accept this well I they almost they almost treated yeah. those batman movies like bond movies mm -hmm. there'd be a couple mm -hmm. of crossover characters but for the most part it was like this is the bubble you're existing in it yeah Move forward I tried to look up the timeline last night, like, please put all of the movies in a timeline because like for when you're thinking about the three different like iterations of it, you're thinking about like the Riddler being in Jim Carrey, then being Paul Dano, not really connected. You think about Harvey Dent being in all being, there's three iterations of Harvey Dent, right? There's Billy Dean Williams and then there's um, Tommy Lee Jones and then there's Aaron Alcart. And it's like all three are completely separate, but yet somehow the same person. And so you can't really put them into a timeline. Like in my, I was looking it up, like chronologically, where do these movies all go? Like, how do you find the common thread through the Joker's timeline? And how do you find the common thread through all these timelines? It doesn't exist because there's no way to connect them because they're all individual films. Um, I just found a, a new uh, Twitter feed or whatever you call it, tw the, called All the Right Movies. I'm sure they've yeah. been around a while. And they've been doing these things. So actually, it's interesting you say that because one of the things was that last week they did one on Batman Returns. Mm. And apparently in the original script, uh, Billy D. Williams was supposed to play uh, Harvey Dent again. And at the end of the film, he was going to die with electroshock the way that and they- And then turn off. into Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> yes. 
Nice. That's quite a switch, actually. Nice. But, but Burton was planning on a third film, and it was going oh, to be yeah. the so. Whereas in in Batman Returns, the last you know Catwoman dies with electroshock with Shrek, it was going to be uh, Harvey Dent that was down there, mm. and that happens to him, and they decided against it. They went with this ending, and then interestingly enough, according to, according to uh, all the right movies. Um, Burton was working on his third film and WB had signed off on it. And then families were so mad at Batman returns and McDonald's was so mad because they were trying to sell toys, which I remember the cups. Yeah. Like they were trying to sell. Oh my gosh. If I could go back in time with those cups, I would love to have those somewhere. I have one. No, you don't. I do. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. But, but that was, they cut him. They said that's when they said no. We we can't mm. do this because the second one Burton really let his Edward Scissor hands fly, um, and so they're like, well, we need a new direction. And Joel Schumacher came in with his laser beams, and and this is where it went because they needed to. God bless those batteries. laser beams. <laughs> laser beams. God bless those laser beams, and like Bane. Oh, that's another person who like it's like with Bane he had you know, this origin story in Batman and Robin, right? Where Poison Ivy was putting all this, whatever, horrible plant stuff into his system and it turned him into Bane. Um, But in the new ones, he's like just mad and a dude, I don't know. But that's actually closer to the the story. Um, I remember at the time- I I don't care for accurate okay but <laughs> and i normally don't i normally don't either like it's not no, like that's scads that's of batman comic comics but when i was when i was a kid um my parents bought me i guess we were going away or something they bought me the book of that story i think it's nightfall batman nightfall and then bat and i was like oh bane's gonna be in this movie and bane's the best he's like he's like this genius and he's he's hopped up on on like toxins and all this stuff. He's like he's he, and then they got him out there and he's going bomb. And he's like this. I remember I was so angry. It's like what oh. have you done to him? Um, all man. that teaches you don't read. Just don't <laughs> read, and you can enjoy the film because I loved it, and I and I didn't read that book beforehand. So maybe that's the lesson here, children never learn to read no there there is something else to bring up though which is interesting especially considering this time period in batman because we also had the offshoot of the animated show and kevin conroy's sort of iteration thereof and i mean for so many people out there their batman is the animated one yeah mm-hmm. yeah batman and batman's never been animated to me and especially considering when the show started, it was right after uh, Returns, I want to say. So, like, it was Burton, and then we had the offshoot into Animated, and then it went to Schumacher. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't I thought it was 91, but it might have been 93 when, when Animated Series came. Either way, it was... It was, it was totally tied and not tied at all to, to the Burton... Burton's oh thing. yeah no but i mean i'm I'm just saying in general because i mean yeah. it was it was 92 i just pulled it up but okay the what, mask in, of phantasm 
Is like inadvertently, one will yeah, one nine, one three. informs the other in one way, yeah. shape, or form. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. we're all pulled, they're all pulling from the Bob Kane, but they're all going to be giving various interpretations or iterations of what it means to be this character. And I mean, mm. they've all come while they've all been very similar, they're all pulling from such from the original source material in such a way that there are common threads that will never, ever change. Mm -hmm. There's like six villains. <laughs> and we'll just keep remaking them. Yeah, I mean, to you, is, uh, is uh, Jack Nicholson the Joker or is Mark Hamill the Joker or is Heath Ledger or is Joaquin Phoenix? You know, they all bring their own twist to yeah. these characters which are which are so iconic i mean god in the animated one you know bull from night court is did the voice of two-face mm -hmm. i mean that's not something i can ever really equate to you know what i mean yeah i feel like like when i think of the joker i think of jack nicholson but i also and like instantly i think well it's jack nicholson and then immediately i'm like no heath ledger did not essentially die to not be known as Heath Ledger or as the Joker rather like he was it was such an insane performance and such that like he has solidified himself as the Joker like in my thought process for the rest of time doesn't matter who else plays him I'm like it's it's Heath Ledger despite the fact that when I like when I think of it I immediately think of Jack Nicholson but we'd, would we be viewing the Heath Ledger's Joker the same if we had not had Jack's Joker because I mean, especially in my mind with the 1989 Batman, I mean, like I said, it like Jack had first billing. In my mind, every time I rewatch that movie, this is a Joker movie featuring Batman. It's not a Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the Flash. It's a Flash exactly. movie featuring yeah, Batman, the Flash but the not Flash to me. Batman movie. Yeah, no, it was sure. a Batman movie featuring the Flash. <laughs> There's all sorts of reasons that we don't talk about the Flash in the Flash movie, but let's, let's yeah. from a publicist standpoint, you would know that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, what a disaster. What a disaster. But you know, you make a, a great point though, Dave, because you like you talked about would you have this without this? And you don't have you don't have Nicholson without Caesar Romero. Well, there's that, yeah. I mean, there is a there is a transition about this, and, and these characters are changing. So, I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit, but I'm just wondering how our relationship, what do you think about our relationship to Batman has changed and the Batman stories and films? Because, like, you know, I I, I wanted I want to show uh, Batman to a friend of mine, and he's 26, and he says, "I've seen clips. It looks ridiculous." I'm like, do you understand? It is ridiculous. That's it why is. it's good. Yeah, but you see, he grew up. Joe, he he grew up with Dark Knight. Was his first Batman films experience, mm -hmm. and and like all of the the Batman since Nolan have tried to take an aspect of Nolan and uh, in them, mm -hmm. um, and those ones, like you said, the camp is great. But if you aren't used to camp, you don't yeah. know what you're watching. So I, don't yeah, know. I feel like movies Flash is pure Nolan. So yeah, and like movies expect more of their audiences now. That's the reality, right? Is that the movies were simpler, the plot was the same, and I mean, plot is still the same, right? It's superhero. You are introduced to superhero. Superhero has a problem. Superhero fixes said problem. Like that's the plot of every single superhero movie ever made. But back then, they didn't like 
we just accepted what was on the screen. And now it's like, well, why is this happening? How did this character get there? What's the backstory? You like they, and maybe that's a symptom of Marvel. Maybe that's a symptom of the Marvel world building is that we expect there to be a big backstory. And if there isn't, the audiences are disappointed. Because I mean, are we getting tired of comic book movies? I would say yes. But are we getting yeah. tired of Batman? No. No. Because Batman <laughs> is this singular, unique, relatable, and also foul. Anybody can be Batman. And, and yeah, and human character that we relate to, that we love. Yeah. yeah. Because we see our strengths in him in him and we see our flaws in him. Yeah. And because he has no superpowers. Like that's the point is that literally anybody with enough money and enough anger could be Batman. Yeah, only right? Chris like, Hemsworth could pick up the hammer, but you know, if you're rich enough, you right. can you can have a bat cave and a scowl. 100% and only Spider-Man can shoot webs out of his hands or whatever unless you're um uh Toby Maguire and then he Oh no, I guess Toby Maguire <laughs> no, was the only Maguire's one who did, the only shoot, one out that did shoot him. Yeah. Right, and the rest of them had canisters or whatever. Yeah. See, you can clearly see I'm very Batman isolated in my in my uh, superhero loving, but um, uh, but anybody can be Batman. And that's why he, you know, goes on through time is that you can relate to him because you can understand that, you know, if your parents were killed in front of you, that would make you upset and that would make you angry and you would want to seek revenge on whoever did it. And but with anything else, it's like, well, you know, with Superman. I couldn't really do that if I wanted to, because I can't fly. And I couldn't really do it because I don't have lasers that come out of my eyes. But with Batman, you're like, yeah, I could learn Krav Maga. For sure I could do that. And that's, I think, what, that's why people will, will always connect with Batman, because he's the everyman with rage. And that's why we always connect with the villains in Batman, because we've mm -hmm. all been angry. We've all been the Joker. We've mm -hmm. all been misunderstood and made fun of the Penguin. We've all been Two-Face. Yeah. We've all been, you know, Harley Quinn. We've all been whatever you want to say. Like, there are yeah. so many, like, all the characters in sort of the Batman universe have this degree of relatability, which makes them work over and over again. Like, yeah. we can't relate to a god picking up a hammer and flying around the universe but not being able to get with his girlfriend who all of a sudden has cancer and then you know it's it gets weird you know batman it keeps super freaking simple yeah speaking of the penguin so again i watched batman returns last night and like how terrible how terrible of oswald's parents for this poor baby to be born with a birth defect who has hands that look like flippers and they're like to the sewer with you <laughs> like it's like how terrible is that plot line? And he's like, suddenly he's like eating raw fish in front of people. And he's like, and he, at one point he has this monologue where he talks about like, you know, I've found my name. I am Oswell Cobblepot. And I, and I will find my parents to find out why they did this to me. I've grown up in a sewer. And I'm like, this is awful. Like yeah. poor kid. Of course he's mad. Like I'd be mad if my parents threw me in a sewer, I would want to, you know, seek out rage and revenge on, on that. But like, what a terrible storyline for the poor penguin. And like his friends are only penguins. I also looked up right at the end of the movie. Again, spoiler alert. Again, if you haven't seen a movie since 1992, that sounds like a you problem. Um, but like 
when they essentially kill the penguin at the end of the movie and the penguins like the grand emperor penguins are like walking him down the ramp into the yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like those are definitely people in those costumes oh yeah totally walking. Yeah. and so i looked up who played the penguins in the movie and they're uncredited so if you know who played the penguins in batman return please like i don't know write me on twitter or something because i need to know <laughs> i need to know who who played these penguins and why they never got their moment of fame uh, i will help with that i i read <laughs> that the penguins were played by by people animatronics but they were using real penguins and the reason there were people dressed as the penguins <gasps> is because yeah. the penguins would follow them because they were dressed as right. penguins. So they now call them with the dress penguin, but then somebody has to hold the body. They can't train these emperor penguins to be like, pick up the body, carry it down well, the ramp. No, not in that. No, in that scene, they're people. But I mean, it, whenever they're using the penguins. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah They okay. have like when they're marching through the streets, they have people there. And they said, and there's a story that uh, one of the real penguins started to try to cuddle up to and stay with one of the animatronic penguins. Like they, they. Oh, I remember like, that. Yeah. yeah. It's uh and and the uh, and animal rights groups had to be on set because they were strapping rockets to the back of real penguins so they were making sure that yeah like they i mean i don't oh yeah the, the rockets i remember the rockets yeah. Yeah. yeah and this this was interesting too and it's to, i i just learned this I'm, to, I'm just excited about things i've learned the bird that she puts in her mouth real bird oh she, she actually because they put a fake bird in her mouth and she didn't like it so they brought in a trainer and she actually put the real bird in her mouth. You would like, okay, but who would like having a real bird in their mouth versus a fake one? She just like, said- I would rather it be fake and not like, I don't know, bite the inside of my mouth. But also <laughs> that would never happen. Like animal rights activists, that would never happen these days. Uh, you can't put no. a real bird in your mouth. I also, like speaking of Michelle Pfeiffer and the bird, I was also thinking about, it's like a weird moment where she is- Batman's on the ground she's on top of him and she like licks his face from like his chin up to the top of his beak of his like bat beak is it a beak I don't know the little pointy bit his on mask his yeah, yeah it's his mask but it's like there's like a weird pointy it's like his nose I guess is what oh, it is yeah. in the mask um and she like licks up and I'm like man that must have been very uncomfortable to film right like very uncomfortable like hold on we need to get another shot of Michelle Pfeiffer licking your face that's, yeah that's not that's not Nick. Pleasant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that goes again. That's these are things that that wouldn't happen with you know the introduction of CGI and the understanding of animal rights. I'm not going to say that animal rights is a new thing, obviously, but the understanding no. of it, um, is rather new in filmmaking. Um, I mean, you talk about Disney and the lemmings, right? Like throwing them over the edge, but uh, do you know about this from what? Oh, there was like a there was a video in the 60s or the 50s that Disney put out saying that lemmings commit suicide en masse together and they like jump off cliffs together and they filmed it like they filmed all these little lemmings jumping off cliffs and anyways turns out they were pushing them off what <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a thing. it came out of like, like 10 years ago 15 years ago it's like yeah there's like they were pushing them off and it was all a lie <laughs> So, um, but th that would never fly these, <laughs> bad expression, that would never fly <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, but it wouldn't, right? Like it wouldn't. <laughs> and it, you think back as like, as far as 1992, that's like, I mean, that was really not that long ago. It was only 30 years ago. And 
I mean, strapping a rocket onto a penguin is, I don't know if we would, we would do that in today's filmmaking. Well, it's not a real rocket. It's a cardboard one. It's production. Fine, but do you think that they would use, do you think they would use real life penguins to do it or would they do CGI? I think they'd see it's not a real rocket. Obviously, it's not a real rocket. It's not a real rocket. Yeah. It's a live ammunition. Yeah, it would be CGI. It would probably, yeah, it's, CGI. it's not a real rocket. They used real rockets in the 90s. But again, um, it goes back to your point just about these movies about how, you know, production design and it's the art was, of production and they design. And they were so that simple. We, that we've lost a little bit of. We've lost production design because everything can be done with computers, right? Like you can see. There were times in, in you know, there was, I mean, I'm watching TV shows that where you can very clearly tell that they're sitting in front of a green screen, right? Like green screens are so easy to make and so much cheaper to make than the productions. I read, um, it was either Batman or Batman Returns took up half of the WB lot um when they shot it like half of it like which is a massive lot in LA right so it's like you would never get that you would never get one movie taking over half the lot these days right so it's like you're losing that you know big expansive world that they built for CGI yeah yeah no it's and that all started back in the day when people were sitting in cars and they had the screen going by and they're just sitting like they're in the car and went (laughs) driving like this because this is how you drive right exactly, like moving your yeah. arms back and forth comically um yeah i mean you don't get that you don't get that anymore it's 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 both a blessing and a curse really yeah. for filmmaking okay. is that you can do things that are that you could never do in traditional set design but you lose the traditional set design right well, at and, the end of the day yeah, and I think that that's something that I see in these ones, right? Like when I watch when I watched Batman, rewatched it for this pod, I was just so struck by the visuals. Like, yes, it's campy, it's campy by today's standards. At the time, it was the friggin' Dark Knight. Like people were like, "What is this?" Like nobody was going, "Oh, look how fun this is!" When Joker is shocking a guy to death, you know, it's not. It's it's just it was so different. But the set design yeah. is gorgeous. And but it was comical. He had a hand thing. It was like a buzz hand thing. It it's funny. true, but it was it was that blend, right? It was like we're we're yeah. moving somewhere. It, yeah. it, actually, one of the things I want to go back to something, Dave. You said something before about the about how things have changed and and how he's always relatable, but it's always changed. Um, how we can, any and I think it was you, Ali, that said anybody can be Batman. I think yeah. it's so fascinating how Batman takes over for Superman. I think I think that's fascinating because until Batman, we had four Superman movies in I think twelve years. Um, because Superman, Superman two, one, two, uh, well, th- well, three and four, obviously, but I think four was Quest for Peace, and and it was like this is done. And then you can't get Superman back on screen for like fifteen years, <laughs> literally. It's all Batman. I think that's it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that was what you said, David. But any Thor can't. You know, not everybody can pick up the hammer, but anybody mm-hmm. can put on the mask. And I think that's significant. I think that's a big change, because we don't have other superhero movies. We have attempts. We have you know really terrible ones. Like there's a Captain America one in 1990 that's so bad that nobody even remembers it. But like, the Fantastic Four one that never got released. 
You know, oh, there's, there's, there's a ton that have just right. sort of disappeared into the ether that just never happened, never worked, you know, but Batman always works. Batman always works. And I think the relatability, the, the idea that, you know, I think there's a real psychological shift there from the hero is the other to the hero is you. I think that's a big change. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that the films continue to get darker. And I think society is our understanding of things has changed as we talked about. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of that has to do with if the hero is us, how we interact with that. Like you said, now he's now he's running around saying, I am vengeance. Um because the world is failed. That's a damn shame. You are not vengeance, <laughs> you are Batman. Okay. If you don't say I am Batman in at least one move at least once in each movie. I'm leaving. Did I'm he out. not say it? He said, I am, I am Vengeance. He says, I am Vengeance. Does he ever call himself Batman in that one? I don't remember. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Everybody I else calls him I that. couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but probably not. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy change. Like, it's such an interesting change to me mm -hmm. uh, in regards to that. And Batman continues to get heavier. Nolan changes everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the Nolan films are phenomenal. Like you said, Ali, they're great films. Like this is that's the thing. Yeah. It, I think it's more of a cop movie than the than the 1989 Batman. Like, and, like if you take mm -hmm. his, if you put a coat on him, and make him a hard drinking, you know, a hard drinking chain smoking detective from 1939, mm -hmm. it, it changes nothing. It changes, yeah. especially with him talking like this. <laughs> changes <Yeah>. some things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing is with that with the voice from Nolan, like Nolan, anytime I hear the name Christopher Nolan, all I think is just it's like a sound effect in my head that goes, right? Like, that's just what he it's like, that's his noise. I don't know. He's like, taken that noise and made it his own. It's in the Oppenheimer trailer. It was in um, Inception. It was, you know, and it's in Christian Bale's voice. So it's really just anytime that Christopher Nolan touches a movie, he's like somebody somewhere. Some there has, has to be in there. Um, so I can't, I mean, anytime he comes up, I can't think of anything but that noise. But they are, they're great movies. Like they're great. They're there's cinematic achievements, the performances are insane, but the camp, it's just I when I leave a Christopher Nolan Batman movie. You think, wow, that was a really great film. Like, loved that movie. It was really great. When you leave um, a Burton or a Schumacher movie, you go, man, I had a lot of fun. And that's, I think, a big difference between the two franchises. Okay, Agreed. well, here's a question then for you both. Who's the best Batman? <laughs> George Clooney. Explain. <laughs> Explain yourself, woman. Because he's just rich and mad, and he has a Batman MasterCard. Like, <laughs> It's like, I don't even know, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, obviously he's a superior Batman. I don't like, I mean, no, like, you know, no offense to Ben Affleck. I'm not a big Ben Affleck Batman fan. I'm not a big Ben Affleck fan in general, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but George Clooney, it was just, it was the camp. It was fun. And I really, you know, I, when I'm sitting down to watch a superhero movie, I want to have a good time. And George Clooney delivered that for me. 100%. Okay. And Chris O'Donnell's a babe. So he didn't hurt either. Dave, who's the best Batman? Yeah, for me, it's got to be Keaton because honestly, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the best blend of the camp and the humor 
but also the serious and the 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 darker nature and the tortured nature of the character that's a much more reasonable answer yeah <laughs> no it is it is and he's right he's fully right in everything that he's saying it is the perfect the keaton era batman and batman returns it was the perfect blend of all the things that is batman right but there's just something about batman and robin that i cannot give up can't give up it's you know phenomenal. Batman Forever is my favorite one, and I think Val mm, Kilmer. I, I love, I loved it, and I love Kilmer as as Batman uh, as well. Mm-hmm. But going back on the rewatches, and we just finished the Dark Knight trilogies, myself and and Anders, and I'm like, you know, and I look back at them all. It's, I think if I were to say which is the best Batman, I think it really is a toss up to me between Bale and Keaton. Uh, with Bale, it might be the stories he had. To be perfectly honest, I think that might because I, I think he mm-hmm. he's, I think he has the best stories, but I like what I like the the balance that Keaton had more so than than what we see in others. You know, I think um, everybody else, everybody who's been Batman for the most part has brought something different. And I will say, I will say, Ali, that you know, oh, spoiler for the Flash, but there's a redemption. There's a redemption for. For Clooney that I appreciated I was like <sighs> he needed some redemption he's he goes on tours and apologizes for the Batman film when he's ah! had interviews for other films oh, and so um, you know I I've I've worked with publicists who have worked with him who said that he's like the most lovely man like he's very kind and very nice and if I ever you know get to be in his ecosphere I will immediately be like don't you ever apologize for those movies ever again every time you apologize I want you to see my face going it's my favorite movie (laughs) like don't like um because man like he's so good and the fact that he apologized it makes me sad I'm sad about that he was great and I mean Val Kilmer's nipples aside Clooney has his as well. I, I know they both had nipples. And I'm pretty sure that, that Clooney also had like a weird like bulge, rubber bulge that was unnecessary as well. They like had to make it like his bat suit, like anatomically, oh my gosh, the words escape me, anatomically correct. There you go. Which is a weird move for a rubber suit. <laughs> it's the camp. But I mean, Steve, going back to your point about Bale, because I mean, the Bale movies only could have only ever been a trilogy because he's got this the character has this redemptive arc which is such a great payoff and i mean i think that's why we've gravitated to the flash uh and keaton there so uh well because i mean again this is a podcast s for spoilers he dies and having keaton die kind of gives us multiple times multiple times gives us an emotional sort of redemptive payoff to let sort of that batman sit in peace yeah as the story moves on as it all moves on you know yeah but i mean he had the, he had the original bat car he had the original bat plane like it was nostalgia a plus plus right like that's that was what it was for it was that and, I mean, that but also I mean, again, and no also to go back to our point about production design like they built that bat cave yeah yeah you know what and I mean? like no one cares about the flash i know sorry but like they don't and like it's so when they're bringing in keaton it's like hell yeah let's get dc like people loved batman back then let's get them back in 
And if we bring in Keaton, we'll get them back in. We bring in Nicholas Cage, who was never Superman, right? Like he was never Superman, but yeah, he yeah, campaigned yeah. for it in the 80s. So it's like, it was such fan service, like give them Nicholas Cage as Superman, give them Michael Keaton, give them George Clooney, and they'll be back in the theater. And I mean, and here's hoping that it works. It's still, I mean, it's still in theaters right now. So no, it Flash, yeah, Flash, you're right. I mean, the what I mean, delays, Ezra Miller, everything aside, the way they structured this movie was to to kind of resell us on DC, mm -hmm. regardless of who comes back and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's to resell us on what DC was, because I mean, even when you look at sort of the lore of all the Marvel comics, there was a ton of crossover. They're all back and forth and blah, blah, blah. With DC, other than like Justice League, there wasn't a lot of, you know, you know, Batman and Aquaman fighting crime or this, that, or the other. Like there wasn't nearly as much crossover. The DC stories were inherently a lot more standalone, especially mm -hmm. when, you, if, when you go like sort of old school with it. Mm -hmm. I also think like with Justice League and, you know, they were trying like with Zack Snyder, they were trying to be like, we'll go serious. Like we'll do this like really emotionally. And I don't know if it worked. I don't think that it, so they were like, well, you know what did work? The camp. Let's see if we can bring that back in because clearly us trying to get like, we are, you know, DC is elevated Marvel. It's bigger stories. It's more dark. It's more serious. It didn't work. So now they're like, you know, fuck it, bring back Keaton, figure it out that way, like, just to get the audiences back in that way, um, and I mean, I'm here for it. You, okay. Um, they made a fan out of me. They made a fan out of me. Let me tell you, I was cheering in the theater. You know, okay, I gotta say it. I gotta say it. We're not talking about The Flash, but I'm gonna talk about The Flash. Okay. The more I think about The Flash, the angrier I get at The Flash. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Um, it's a party that not everyone's invited to. That's the way I can describe it. That's how I felt about it. All right. All Why? the nostalgia, all the nostalgia in Batman, in, in, in the flash mm -hmm. is for people that knew DC before the year 2000. All yes. of yes. Yeah, there is absolutely yes. nothing for anybody else. And that's because so anybody who's under that age is going to Marvel movies. But the people who are older than that age are sick of Marvel movies and want something else. But don't you see? That's the point. DC has just said, mm -hmm. hey, weren't we great in the good old days? Like even, <laughs> They were. Even, yeah, okay. But even they the were. Cage reference, which I loved. Mm -hmm. I saw it with a friend of mine. Again, he's 26. And he said, why? Didn't didn't know who he was. Didn't know that George, didn't know anything about Clooney as Batman. They bring in Adam West. Uh, these are all major spoilers for the Flash, but I'm just saying they all the all the nostalgia. Adam West. Oh yes, Adam West. When is Adam West in it? Adam West is in it. Absolutely. Where I've he's seen it. He's in the multiverse. Running in the world. Oh, I didn't notice that. He is there. I, I hear that. his voice. I didn't even he notice that. There. I would have loved. Like, I didn't even notice that. I, I mean, they so met so him. Was... Christopher Reeve, an old school Christopher super Reeve. Yeah, I saw. I saw George Reeves. I did see that. George Reeves. I did see that. But so there, yeah but this is what I'm i was looking for nicholas cage at that point because i was like i heard that he's in it and i was like where is he and then i saw him and then i was you know cheering so i'm sure that i missed it because of that but if you really want to get people in 
you have to invite people in. You have to include everyone. Where, where, where is Smallville? Make new fans, not only talk to your old fans. That's that's it. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I liked that. Although I was like, you know, you, I know that I know everything that happened with Kilmer, but all these other guys have been through stuff, and you, you don't have any Kilmer reference in this. Like, why? Like, what? Yeah. But but do you think that you know when they made the film, Ezra Miller, you know, had not had the publicity challenges that they had had until after the film was shot, which is why they decided to, you know, well, I guess we're gonna have to go ahead and do whatever. Well, like publicly, you know, obviously they obviously had issues prior to this, but not public knowledge. Um, no, with the Flash, like it's like with making this movie, they were ideally they were banking on the Flash bringing in new new audience members, and. It, it, the Keaton of it all, the Nicolas Cage of it all, the George Clooney of it all, bringing in the old fan members who were not going to Marvel movies. So that they, maybe they were banking on Ezra doing that. Well, I think you see that with the ending, the change in the ending. And you and I talked about this. Uh, we, we talked about this before we start recording. They recorded three endings and then they ended up with with this mm-hmm. final shot. But like, I I just, when, the more I came out of it, like Spider-Man, No Way Home which I think may be now, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, the new one or anything like that, but in, in terms of the films we've seen may have been the perfect blend of, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to give you Toby and we're going to give you some of his villains. Oh, but don't forget Andrew and his villains. Yeah. Oh, and don't, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. you know, we're going to give you everything. So even, and I had people saying, oh my gosh, Andrew Garfield, he's my Spider-Man. And I would say, no, Toby's my Spider-Man, but that's okay. Cause we were all invited to the party. Mm-hmm. And that was my beef with flash. Like you didn't even have Grant Gustin in this. thing. <laughs> like if I was Grant Gustin, I'd be furious. Like you, you can't, you're going to show me the flash from like 1930. And, and you're not going to show me the one that the people under the age of 25 actually care about. You're not bringing in new fans. Mm. you're sitting in the 90s and i i yeah. i love these 90s films i love them they're they are fantastic and fun and like everything we've talked about so far but that's what really bugged me about the flash is they threw, they threw a party and didn't invite anybody that they want to carry the franchise full over see uh, that's fair but also as somebody who was invited to the party like i'm not mad at it because totally. I was in it. Like I was in it. I was on the invite list. Like I was there. Right. So it's, but I get like, I didn't see it with somebody who, who wasn't invited. So I didn't get that ounce of sadness with my arms thrown up in the air. Right. <laughs> I got a room. I was in a room full of, you know, people who are in the film industry who are all like, I'm the baby in the room. Right. So I'm right. the youngest. And all of them were like, Michael Keaton. Right. So it was like, I was in a great audience to watch it with. Um, but I was not, not invited to the party. So I get, but I do get that side of things. We should be more inclusive. (laughs) But it's it's also, it also plays to the idea that just with this movie, it really felt like, okay, we're pressing the reset button. This is just what we have to do. Yeah. Like this is them actively pressing the reset button. Yeah. Like something's not working. We got to figure it out. And no, not releasing the director's cut of Justice League. We'll figure it out. We need to do something different. So I agree. Yeah. They're hitting the reset button. I mean, I'll watch the, whatever the next movie is in hopes that I will see another, you know, nostalgia moment. So it worked for me at least, but I could understand that it wouldn't work for a lot of people, but who knows? Cause I'm like, I'm not the person giving my money to Marvel in theaters other than apparently Ant-Man. 
Um, but <laughs> but like I don't go to see Marvel movies in theaters because it's just not really up my um up my alley for but I mean again, like what are the Marvel movies that have existed the most inside their own bubble? They're the three guardians of the galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? Directed by James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like all it's kind of like how all TV shows will soon star. Pedro Pascal in some sort of a magical child. <laughs> Maybe all superhero movies should be directed by James Gunn, starring Pedro Pascal. Listen, guys, <laughs> we figured it out. Figured out the equation. I do think that The Flash did not have enough, um, speaking of um, figuring things out, there was not enough Jason Momoa in it that would have really taken it over the edge for me, personally. Um, but... I accept that from a fan standpoint or a, a lady standpoint, <laughs> looking at looking at both. I mean, and... maybe a little bit of both <laughs> from a All lady right. fan standpoint, from a All lady right. fan standpoint, um, because I was like, Justice League, like Gal Gadot's there, right? Like why? Like where, where, where is Jason Momoa? Couldn't you have a small cameo? I think he could have maybe like when they were, you know, at the end when there was all the worlds and they were, there was it looked like water maybe he could have just like whoop poked his head out of side of water that would have been it i would have loved it but that i don't know i'm barely can't have everything you want See, the problem with gal gadot is that we're like audiences are all still kind of stunned that she's still alive in the fast and furious universe so <laughs> it, it like it, it makes oh. weird world blending you know it really does it really does um, and that could be a whole other episode because fun-filled fact about me of the day, I am just as passionate about Fast and the Furious as I am about Batman. I love those movies, like family. You know what I mean? Like I'm all for it. All about um, family. All about family. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. There aren't really a lot of crossovers for actors in different franchises. And she is one of the only ones who can do it all. She's Wonder Woman. Huh? Dang right she is. I love God. Dang right she is. Yeah, she's great. She's great. My uh, secret, uh, my secret revealed. I actually supported Wonder Woman 1984 for the most part. So, uh, <laughs> mm, so I mean, I, 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 I like Wonder Woman. Anyway, she's great. Um, Whip of truth, because men lie. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. We do. Men lie. We do. Uh, the lasso of truth. It's not a whip of truth. <laughs> It's the last. That's like Catwoman. That's a whip. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I was actually just watching, or because I was just watching the Batman movies, they were talking about Chase Meridian, Nicole Kidman in Batman Forever was talking about. She's like, you know, coming on to to Michael Keaton, super strong, and he's like, "Whoa, why are you in lingerie?" And also calling me on the bat signal. She's like, "I heard you like strong women, or do I need a whip and some leather?" Right? And you're like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "Jesus." Um, so maybe, yeah, you're right. That's probably where I got it from. Lasso of truth, not the Catwoman whip of shame. <laughs> the whip of shame. The whip of shame. Which, by the way, but if you're into that, that's really okay. How to use that? A hundred percent. Sorry, what was that, Dave? He if said you're if into you're that, into it, that's okay. That's okay too. A hundred percent. You do you, boo. Whatever. Let your freak flag fly. I'm here for it. <laughs> it's fair. Um. I could keep talking about this forever, but we, mm-hmm. we should start to wrap this up. Um, we, we've talked about Batman all over the case, but with the Batman legacy films, we should screen it or skip it. <laughs> Batman yeah. 90s legacy, screen it or skip it. All four? You can pick. Screen it. 
Oh, all four. Okay, well, my answer, my answer will be the same. <laughs> if franchise as a whole, stream it. Franchise as individual films, still stream it. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> don't uh, don't deny yourself any longer the joy of the camp and the joy of the uh, a guy who's just rich and mad. Like that's uh, I can get behind that. Okay, Dave. Stream it. Watch it. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> they don't even have the batman voice in those ones do they no i don't think they do no it's still still worth it though watch it <laughs> well okay let me change the question slightly um are there some that you would toss away or some that you obviously you probably have your favorites but mm -hmm. are there some that you would say are is your least favorite of the four no Really? Like none of like yeah no I think they're all great for their own for their own reasoning, like I think that there's I would, I mean, I would argue watch them all like there's there's no movie I mean are you looking at the, I'm you know on my second screen here I have, Batman and Robin with, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman got twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> which is not great obviously it's got a three point eight on IMDb, it's not great. It's not great from a critical standpoint, but you're not supposed to go into this movie from a critical standpoint. You're supposed to go in to have fun. And I think that it delivers on the fun and you need to, this is, you know, you're both critics, a message to all critics out there. Sometimes you need to take a movie and for what it is and not expect it to be more than it is. And this movie knows what it is. It's camp, it's fun, it's dumb, it's silly, and it delivers on all of those things. All right. Yeah, I hear. I, I, I've often felt that it really drives me nuts when something is either 90% of Rotten Tomatoes or 5% of Rotten Tomatoes. It drives me crazy. Yeah. yeah, like sometimes movies can just like, you know, I'm here for this ride. Did I enjoy myself? Did I have a good time? And and that's and that's what it is. And it doesn't have to be some like big hypothesis about the universe and all like it doesn't have to be that. Sometimes it can just be a really fun superhero movie. And that's what Batman and Robin was. And that's what Batman Forever was. I think that Batman Returns and Batman were critically more acclaimed and they were, you know, critically, quote unquote, better films. But I think that the the Schumacher side of things was like, I mean, it slapped. So do not skip any of them. David, Watch them in order. Watch them in order? Yeah. It's like no continuity. Uh <laughs> I know. <laughs> still do it though it's fun see it's fun doesn't have to have continuity it doesn't have to be a universe it can just be four movies in order that are fun because you can even see with the the gunshot noises that go from 89 to 97 like the gunshot noises in 89 with michael keaton it's like that weird like pew, pew, that like it's like a stock image of a gun right and there's even like some guy falls off the some guy falls off something in a in the factory when Jack Nicholson is getting thrown in the acid and there's the screaming noise that is the most like common used screaming noise for um for stock images and it's like the Wilhelm wow. scream and it's yeah that's it and they use that in the movie and like you can see the progression from that to 97 where in 97 it's like it sounds like a real gunshot so it's like just you have to watch them in order you got to appreciate it because if you jumble them up you're not going to get the appreciation for how far it came over those <laughs> 12 years or but well, you know even you describing this makes me miss the adam west movie and you know thwap and thong yeah 
and all yeah, those fun see? sound you know the, the the graphics they would put up you know 100 percent, 100 percent. that yeah. on that level i appreciate batman and robin far more because it was the closest to getting the adam west batman you're ever gonna see on screen like yeah. people are getting hit in the head and you're hearing bonk yeah. and they're jumping in the air and you're hearing spring and it's like it, it's like a cartoon um uh, ironically um yeah i uh, dave do you have any you'd throw away no i mean honestly from you know i mean even expanding it out to west and into now pattinson they all bring something different and interesting to the table because i mean at the end of the day we want to watch bruce wayne we want to watch the batman because like ali said you know anybody can be batman mm -hmm. he's not from another planet he can't he doesn't have a special power all you he gotta is, do is apply for a bat mastercard he is the everyman who is trying to be more than himself which is something that we all aspire to mm -hmm. everybody hopes that at the end of the day when they're walking down the street and they see an old lady getting attacked or something that you have the courage to be able to go and do something, right? Like no one is sitting there going, man, I hope in that situation that I run away, right? We like all, you're saying, no, like I- We all wanna be Batman. We all wanna be Batman. Everybody wants to be Batman. Everyone wants to be the hero and they wanna be the person who has enough courage to stand up for what's right and stand up for their city and stand up for the people. And that's why Batman is, and will continue to be what it, what it always has been, a really great franchise. You know, I, I agree. I think I can I can say screen them, but I think I have to put the addendum on that you said, Allie, which is you have to go in for accepting accepting them what they are and mm -hmm. appreciating them from when they came. Like mm -hmm. you can't go watch a movie from 1975 and say, looks fake, not like it yeah. would now. You know, and it's like, no, you have to understand what they went through to get that because of the way that and, and I still think like I was my rewatches, I have such a deeper appreciation for for what they were doing at the time and how drastically crazy it was to do them. Uh, which, by the way, 1989, I didn't realize was what an insane year it was for movies, but that's a whole other story. Um, it's because I was born that year. There it is. It's That's because it. of you. It's because of me. We came back to the point here. Back to the point. It's all because of me. No, it's not. But it was a really great year in filmmaking. And so, I mean, better? I very frequently watch movies that were from that year that are great. Better stories were told after you were born. That's just what you can really? say. That's Boom. it. That's it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back. Uh, back to the point. <laughs> but the, the point being... I think if you can watch them and separate that and let it be what it is, I think mm -hmm. I think anybody can enjoy them. And I think that the Keaton and the Keaton and Nicholson movie is awesome. It's still great. And mm -hmm. and Batman Forever to me is still my favorite. Um, I mean, none of them are perfect. They all have their flaws. I still don't understand. As do real life people. That, that wow. Mm -hmm. that's really the message we've been trying to get to today nobody and is perfect <laughs> and neither is batman which is why you too can be batman <laughs> spoken by a true fan of batman and robin i'm batman <laughs> <laughs> i'm batman yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah uh let's get nuts
you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to get nuts, we can do that. That's how I should have opened this podcast. I think we just did. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it. You know what, both of you, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about Batman and about these films because I love them and they're so fun. Um, and I just really appreciate the fact that you're both able to spend some time with me today to chat about it. Uh, you can plug your wares. Um, David? Mm, oh, ladies first, please. Oh, ladies first. Allie. Ladies first, my wares. I'm not really, it's like, this sounds really bad. I'm not, not personally that active on social, um, but my, uh, the agency that I work with uh, is very active on social. So that's Route 504 PR on all platforms. Lovely. And we work with them constantly and we love yes. it. So you're in our industry. Love are you guys. I love, love you guys. All of you at four at 504 are amazing. Appreciate you oh, guys. That's so nice. I love you guys. Oh. Obviously, this has been really fun. I had a really great time. I'm a Batman fanatic, so I'm really t- will take any opportunity to talk at length about my love of the Caped Crusader. Phenomenal. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on. And I'm gonna remember what you said about Fast and Furious. Uh, yeah yeah um dave you gotta plug your wares yes well in case in case you don't already know i mean i know these two know but uh, my name is dave voight and i'm the editor and uh publisher over at in the seats in the seats.ca for all the latest and greatest in the world of film television basically the moving at large but i'm also the host and producer of one of your favorite podcasts in the seats with where i sit down with a wide ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals and we pick their brain on current projects, state of the industry, and so very much more in a light and conversational fashion, which you can find over on all uh, podcast platforms like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google. And we archive all of our episodes over at our In the Seats YouTube channel. So go give us the like, subscribe, the five-star rating, wherever you humanly possibly can, because it all counts, it all matters, and we we love you for it. What an elevator pitch. He's got it down. What a guy. Oh. That was like... Hold on, let me get my script. Got this down. Well done, you. What an elevator pitch. I'm gonna appreciate well, that. Well, I mean, 550 odd episodes in, I've, right. I, I can you pretty much do it, it blindfolded now. So, <laughs> yeah, you crushed it. Well done, you. Well, I I definitely appreciate you both. And actually, at this time too, I'd like to thank everybody who's been on the podcast up to this point. Not just today, but all these episodes coming up. We've had some phenomenal guests. And work with some phenomenal companies as well, like 504, uh, Route 504, and Elevation, the Tarot Group, uh, Mongrel, so, so many more. Um, And just had some wonderful guests. My gosh, we've had some great people on the show, and I'm looking forward to the next 200 uh, as we move on from here as well. And you can find the next 200 episodes on any uh, all platforms. You can find us on YouTube. You can like and subscribe to us there. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are available, iTunes, uh, Amazon, all the, wherever your favorite podcast is available, you can find us. And as always, if you go to the podcast page at screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More and you can uh, get some questions to help you get the conversation started where you are. Now, we're excited to be back uh, for episode 201 next. But as always, first of all, thank you to you all for being here. And as always, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish.